If you're a parent, teacher, or school leader, and you're sick and tired of the frustration, anger, and unfair treatment of children at high risk in our public schools, then perhaps it's time for all of us to do something about it. In this podcast, Dr. Amitra Berry brings you tips, tools, strategies, and tactics to build successful solutions while touching, moving, and inspiring all of us to transform our schools so that every child thrives. Here's your host, Dr. Berry. Welcome back, Equity Warriors, and thanks for tuning in. I want to give a quick thank you, a shout out to those listeners who have posted reviews on iTunes. I have something special to offer those of you who do, so make sure to post those reviews on iTunes for a chance to win. So the big question today, when did books become a bigger threat than bullets? If I had to put a date on it, I'd say maybe sometime during the enslavement of Africans in the 17th century, just saying. If you listen to the last episode, you'll see that connection there. Right now, there is this frenzied cacophony about books, bad books. And I shared some of this data back in the episode on confronting and teaching hard history, but spaced repetition is good for mastery learning. And since that episode aired in October, beginning of the school year, it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse. We have these ongoing efforts to keep teachers from teaching comprehensive and accurate American history, from teaching civics and teaching government. Why? Now, I could do probably an entire season on all the things that are happening to our schools in the state of Florida. But most recently, and probably the biggest news there, was they're banning the AP African American Studies program. Florida listeners who are fighting that oppression from your state government, power to you. Let me know how I can help. Maybe you need to come on the show. Right now, there are at least 17 states that have bills containing gag orders or or other steps that they've taken to keep teachers from discussing American history and current events. They are pulling books off of library shelves in an order, in in an effort to suppress so-called divisive concepts from being taught. Shorthand there, almost always referring to issues about race or identity. Last week, Hakeem Jeffries stood on the floor of the House of Representatives discussing book bans. Uh, There's a link to that video in the notes down below on Instagram. You need to listen to it. It's about nine minutes long. Take the time to listen to that whole video. And more than any time in history, we have the highest number of banned books in this country. We have banned more books in America than the Nazis did under Hitler. And we say we're the country that stands for freedom. Freedom for what? Freedom to not tell the truth, to not tell the truth about the Holocaust, to not tell the truth about this country's laws, Indian removal or the Chinese Exclusion Act, Jim Crow laws, to teach the truth about Martin Luther King, a man who said, quote, I can only close the gap in a broken community by meeting hate with love. They don't want you to know that. And this one gets me. I'm a huge Astros fan. Got my Astros blue on today. Roberto Clemente, not an Astros player ever. Roberto Clemente, the baseball player, the first Latino baseball player to make it into the Hall of Fame, by the way. Yes, he was a Latino. También he was an American, a Puerto Rican, an Afro-Caribbean. They want to ban a book about baseball, America's pastime. More than 5,000 schools in this country have books banned that are keeping 4 million American children from learning the history of this country and the people who have contributed to making it what it is. And when we dig into those books and find out what's in them, what is it that's so bad? About 40% of those books that have been banned 
have a protagonist or a secondary character of color. These are books about people of color. About 20% of those books directly address race and racism. I guess that's the problem with Martin Luther King. And about 40% are about LGBTQ characters, about identity. At a time when we have a mental health crisis in our schools because children are struggling with their identity and they don't have the resources to get help. Meanwhile, bullets are flying. Edwick runs a school shooting tracker on their website. I've got a link to that down in the notes as well. So check that out. In the last week, I heard two school shootings on the news. Two. There were four in the tracker. So I heard about the one at Lamar High School in Arlington, which is a suburb of Dallas, Texas. And I heard about the one in Denver, Colorado at East High School. I did not hear about the one at Thomas Jefferson High School in Dallas ISD. That wasn't on the news. That's two in Texas. At Palo Duro High School, this makes three because that was in Amarillo, Texas, a state where they are pushing for teachers to have guns in school, a state where they are pushing to have more armed officers in schools, a state where we're seeing more children come to school and shoot up their schools. Bullets are flying, but nobody's talking about getting rid of the bullets. But don't you talk about race, racism, that evil CRT that's not being taught in any schools. Don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. We don't want white children to feel discomfort about content. But they don't give a rat spit about their kids being shot. When did books become more dangerous than bullets. So far this calendar year from January 1, 2023 to today, when I am recording this, because I checked it this morning, there have been 12 school shootings that have resulted in injury or death. 12 so far this calendar year, not school year, calendar year, January, February, March. And March isn't over, almost over at the time of this recording. 156 school shootings since 2018. That roughly comes out to 30 a year. And if we consider just the school calendar year, 180 days, 180 divided by 30, that would be six, one shooting every six days. So if this trend holds, by the time you hear this episode, another three to five more. And what do they want to do about it? Well, y'all know I live in Texas. I live in Houston. And our own Senator Ted Cruz of Texas said, and this is a direct quote, if we want to keep our kids safe, the most effective step we can do is to have police officers there to protect them who can intercept a mass murderer before he gets into the school and stop them. That didn't work in Uvalde. That didn't work at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. And it didn't work at any number of other sites where SROs and local law enforcement that were present, that were on campus before the shooting started, failed to do their job. That armed police officers before, during, and after failed to confront, failed to take action. They cowered, they ran, they hid while our children were massacred in their classrooms. And yet after the Denver shooting this past week, the district has decided to return armed officers to each of the high school campuses. How's that gonna work out? I would encourage my equity warriors in Denver and other places where 
that is the response that's taken to go back and listen to episode 23, where I provide the data on what really happens when you have armed SROs on campuses. Listen to episode 33, especially those of you who still do have police officers on your campuses. Listen to episode 33, where I share the data from one district that was investigated by their state's attorney general's office. The data on the disproportionality of arrests for black and brown children when officers armed or unarmed are charged with policing our schools. Follow the lead of student activists and community groups in Los Angeles who forced the LAUSD Board of Education to cut 35% of its workforce, police force, not workforce, police force, 35% of its police force, saving their district $25 million, $25 million that was being spent on policing. And they only cut 35%. But that 25 million is now money to fund staff to specifically serve the needs of Black students who have historically in LAUSD been disproportionately harmed by school policing. And frankly, that's a trend in terms of the disproportionality of harm in school policing. It is disproportionately Black students every single district that I've looked at the data. That $25 million is money to fund a task force to study campus safety, to learn to do the right thing. It's money that can be used for counseling, for mental health, and for other social safety nets instead of arresting and incarcerating children, instead of harming children, harming them physically, psychologically, and creating a criminal record that will follow them the rest of their lives. LAUSD, in their, in, in their decision, have said that officers that do stay on campus must be unarmed, and they are barred from using pepper spray. And they've also barred contracting with any local law enforcement. So they're not going to replace their school police with LAPD or county sheriffs. There is a correlation here, folks, between books and bullets. You see, if they ban the books, they keep our children from learning to read. And if they don't learn to read, they cannot learn to read the law. If they keep our children from learning to read, our children become frustrated and act out like my DJ did. If they keep our children from learning to read, they keep our children oppressed. And because they'll make this, this correlation between the bad behavior in these schools, they're going to add more police, add more bullets, add more guns. And then they oppress our children through policing by arresting them on campus for behaviors that are very often typical childhood behaviors. I talked about that in another episode on policing and behaviors that are a direct response to the oppression that they face. And instead of taking action to support mental health, counseling, development, they just add more guns. And even in the last episode, I talked about what happens when we're not teaching our children to learn to read, the disproportionality that we see in suspensions. You see, books have always been more dangerous than bullets, but only to some people, only to the colonizers, to the oppressors. So we equity warriors, we need to teach our children to read. Make sure that in your community, in the districts you work in, and the districts that you're fighting for, that they are using the most effective, scientifically validated methods that will teach the children in your schools how to read and then hold them accountable for acts of policing that oppress our children. And then join me again next week. Send me your questions, topics, requests, all those things to askdrberry.com. And I'm going to bring you those answers. I'm going to bring you experts to help address those topics. One other reminder, and that is that my video podcasts always air first on YouTube about a week ahead of the audio. So if you're not a subscriber, go down in the notes for the link, 
subscribe, share, turn on notifications, and don't worry about things you cannot change. Let's change these things that we cannot accept. And I'll see you next time. That's it for today's episode of the 3E Podcast. Head over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in a grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value private VIP day with Dr. Barry herself. Be sure to head over to 3epodcast.com and pick up a free copy of Dr. Barry's gift. Then join us on the next episode.